All right, welcome to old school, Jank Huger, Dave Kohler, Francesca Fiorentini. Uh, Francesca, the subject of Marjorie Taylor Greene's wrath tonight. <laughs> okay, so that is gonna be your, Dave, you don't know this, do you? I do not know that. Yes, uh, Marjorie Taylor Greene uh, calling for any godless hosts, wouldn't know anything about values, okay. Just happened, Break. we don't often have breaking news on old school. No. On, on, on old school, we normally have nonsense and we just talk about everything and nothing and have fun doing it. Uh, but tonight, we've got a firestorm and Francesca randomly happens to be on old school tonight. And, uh, and I so mean, it is, it is random. I'm making sure my mind, yeah, it's still gonna be random nonsense. Like that's everything she tweets. But it's kind of funny, I mean, we'll talk about the tweet, but it, I kind of feel like she digs the damage report. Kinda, kinda, okay, so we're gonna show you. All right, let's have fun, let's show you the tweet that she just sent a little while ago, I don't know, about an hour ago or so. Wow. Here, let me read it to you guys. Um, so what do we got here? Well, before you read it, just let's just explain that John and I this morning were dressed in full Barbenheimer attire and we didn't even know it. So I'm wearing like a pink top and he's wearing his like black suit or like black tie and a suit. So we, I just feel like we look sharp, like we're crushing it on a Monday morning. I kind of so think I that's true. And that was yeah. deliberate. You deliberately did Barbenheimer? Not at all. Not at all. Someone, a member, like wrote in and said, "You guys are look. You look like Barbie and Oppenheimer, the Barbenheimer meme." And we're like, "Oh yeah, we absolutely do." So uh, anyway, good day to tune in, even though that screenshot's very unflattering. Okay, but uh, but I, I like the theme that you guys were accidentally doing, uh, as John yeah. and I often. Uh, Accidentally coordinate our outfits. Um, so, uh, speaking of which, uh, I've got a Dragon Squad shirt on uh, for the damage Yay. report. Look at that. Okay, coincidentally today, you can get it at shoptyt.com, and I'm sure that Marjorie Taylor Greene's right there uh, right now. Uh, we need so that tweet. <laughs> I'm going to read the tweet, and then I'm going to ask you what you guys were talking about because I missed it. Uh, okay, yeah. so she writes, "I w just watched the damage report for the first time." Sure, Marjorie. For the first time, wink, <laughs> okay. These two admitted atheists are attacking President Trump about his Christian faith while claiming, while claiming to hold moral beliefs. They only attacked Trump and, the, and Republicans and never defended any Democrat policies. But they complained what? about summer heat. Too bad they can't understand that Earth's climate <laughs> has been changing since God created the Earth. And oh, if you're a white Trump supporter, they claim you're a racist and that you need critical race theory to understand your whiteness and your racism. There, I watch it so you don't have to waste your time. And I'll Thank be watching you. again tomorrow and the day after, because I'm secretly hooked. Okay, she didn't write that last yeah. part, but you know she meant it. I mean, so here's the funny thing is she's not wrong about what we talked about. We she and she clearly tuned into the beginning of the show because we talked about the heat as a like, hey, how was your weekend? Pretty hot, right? Like, you know, banter before we got into the news. And so she watched from the beginning. She watched the live stream, which I think everybody knows you can't watch it back unless you're a member. So she 
Like let's let's do some sleuthing here. She either tunes in on time, tunes in, presses pause, and goes back to it. But like, do you know what I'm saying? Like yeah. all that banter is cut out of the actual clips. If you just just watch the clip, and we did talk about how Trump was asked once again by a supporter of his, um, how do you how is your faith changed since you were in office? You know, and he just gives the most. Inane, as I called, like head wound Hitler response. Again, he has no stock response for when it comes to his Christi, his so-called Christianity. So we were just making fun of him and and how poor how this poor lady wanted like an honest answer about like her faith, and he had nothing to give her, and just started saying like I had no idea what a subpoena was before I got into power. It's like nobody asked you about a subpoena, dude. But thanks for bringing it up. So we talked about that. You know, and then the whiteness thing, and we could go go on, but yeah, we mostly talked about how what a massive hypocrite, and like, just like how can evangelicals or even Christians still like this guy? Okay, uh, so oh my God, is Marjorie Taylor Greene a member? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, we say uh, the members make the show happen. Maybe minus one. Maybe someone <laughs> bought her a membership. <laughs> Could you imagine? Let's someone be fair, Jank. She does make the show for the amount that of news, you know, that we cover with her in it. She kind of does make the show. Happen. Well, I hear you on that, and that's fair. And so we appreciate Marjorie Taylor Greene in a couple of different directions. Yeah. So seriously, like you're right. You can't. Watching the beginning of the sh- like a lot of people don't know when we do the live shows that a lot of stuff is clipped out and it's not like like the old Dave Rubin accusation like they maliciously cut out the banter. <laughs> <laughs> right? No, just tidying up the clips, right? So that's why there's almost no clips of old school because you can't tidy it up, okay? <laughs> but we do put up a couple every once in a while. Anyway, so right. um, so. That means, like you said, either she paused or was watching very much live, which you, by the way, I recommend everybody do, okay? TYT.com slash live, watch all of our shows live. Damage reports at one o'clock Eastern and leads off our programming. Young Turks is at six o'clock to eight o'clock Eastern every night. Okay, and you'll never know what you catch. And by the way, if you watch the clips, as Marjorie Taylor Greene knows, you miss some of the best stuff, okay? so. It would be hilarious if someone gifted her a membership, like on YouTube or Twitch or on our website or something. She said, "Well, it is a gift. I'll and check it out." Did, if someone <laughs> gifted her a favor, with, uh, uh, I just blew. It gifted her a membership. Was it a favor or was it a way to torture her? I, I don't know. <laughs> right? Um, She's like, "What is this? I'll click on it." I mean, I could see our membership doing that. I, I feel like TYT folks would do that. Just like, and look, the responses to her tweet are like, "Good, keep watching. You might learn something." Um, well, my and, response and she, is a little so different. she didn't, <laughs> but a little bit similar too, though. But but if, uh, Francisco, you're not wrong. Like, kidding aside, like I'm glad she was watching. Like. And by the way, yeah. like if she knew what she was getting into, I'll even give her a little bit of credit because you should be checking out the other side and seeing what they're saying. I don't know that she came in with an open mind, but you know, hey, she watched it and the, to me that's actually as good as, you know, as you can hope for from someone from the other side. And by the way, our side should from time to time peek into their programming. I mean, it's it's a you know, house of horrors, but <laughs> like not Marjorie oh, yeah. Taylor Greene in specific, but right-wing shows. And maybe you'll catch a segment that makes sense. I mean, good luck. 
right? But I do want everybody to keep an open mind. So are we not merciful? Fairest show in America, right? Fairest network I mean, in America. Marjorie Taylor Greene, Attaboy for watching. Okay. Yeah, and and not only that, but she kept watching. See, because the thing is that we talked about the weather in the beginning. Talk about a little bit of the climate. Then we got into the you know Trump being a a massive hypocrite when it and like completely non-religious, even though he gets the evangelical vote. And then we talked about like how how Trump supporters now believe that anti-white racism, supposedly racism, is a bigger problem than anti-black racism. So then I was explaining, well, like racism is a construct and it was actually created race and like like stratifying people by their skin of their the the color of their skin. That's created by white people. So really like you can't it doesn't work the opposite way. You can be bigoted against white people, you can be discriminatory against white people. I was kind of laying it down like no, racism is very much against like anti-black, anti-Asian and people of color, anti-native, all that. And so it was interesting cuz she like she watched the whole clip, guys. She watched that's I think that's even a different discussion. She watched like 20 to 30 minutes of the show. You could tell because of the last line. Like there, I watched it. Like she's like she's proud that she watched it a long time. And and so so you don't have to. Um yeah. but again, credit to her on that. I uh, I I'm merciful, I'm reasonable. On the other hand, I did tweet this in response. Uh, we appreciate you enjoying the programming on TYT Network. Uh, Damage Report is live every day at 1 p.m. Eastern at tyt.com slash live. Come on, even Marjorie doesn't believe that Trump's a real Christian. He spent more time inside Jeffrey Epstein's house than inside a church. <laughs> oh, which is Love probably it. a fact, right? So I, yes. I don't know the math. I haven't followed Trump around his whole life. That's why I said probably. But we do know uh, we covered it on a, a segment we did today that, of course, Trump was really good friends with Jeffrey Epstein and said that he was, quote, a terrific guy and uh, that uh, he liked girls young. So of all the different people that went to Epstein's house and did whatever they did, the one guy who's on the record as saying, "Oh, I know Jeffrey Epstein likes them young," is Donald J. Trump, right? And and Franny, you're right about the story from today. We didn't cover it on the Young Turks, but I'm glad Damage Report did about Trump not knowing anything about the Bible. But that's like the 18th time we've done a story yes. about Trump not knowing anything about the Bible. He's like, uh, Corinthians 2.0 says, yeah. come on, dude, <laughs> come on. But he doesn't, it's not even the Bible, nobody was quizzing him. All it is is like, how has your faith changed? And what I was saying is he doesn't even have a stock answer. All you gotta say is, um. It's deepened greater appreciation of God. No, because and again, the fact that he said that about Epstein shows you the one semi silver lining about Trump, which is he has no filter and he doesn't know how to lie. And that was the whole thing about him not knowing how to lie. Like obviously he will like take the fifth, he will openly say, no, I didn't do that witch hunt. But again, his lies all just sound like projections, um, but he can't lie. And so he didn't even have a stock answer for the how has your faith changed? He doesn't have an answer when it's like, hey, how about Jeffrey Epstein? Don't mention the young girls, you ding dong. But of course he does, because he says the one thing that you're not supposed to say or that you, yeah. And that's why he gets himself into trouble. See, that's why Trump is accidentally authentic. Because he right. for most of the time he doesn't speak with a prompter and he doesn't sound like a fake politician. Now, why do the politicians sound fake? 
Um, well, part of it is terrible because they're, they're given talking points. They don't really, a lot of them don't have a mind of their own. You'd be shocked at how unintelligent most of the politicians are. Uh, and they're like, I have been giving this, given this talking point by my uh, staffer who told me that the donors want me to say this. And Trump comes in, he's like, ah, Jeffrey Epstein, I know he likes him young. <laughs> You're like, okay, well, he didn't script that. <laughs> so, so that gives a sense of faux authenticity. But when you say he can't lie, of course, what you mean is he's a terrible liar, right? Yes. Like, not that he doesn't lie. He lies legendarily, and that's why, I, you know, she said you guys didn't mention Democrats because that story wasn't about Democrats. Uh, but no. little does she know, DYT Network, we criticize Democrats. <laughs> we criticize Democrats a lot, right? And so that's why I'm furious with Democratic leaders, the Democratic Party, that they can't beat this buffoon. This guy's got verbal diarrhea, and yeah. all you got to do is poke him on any issue. And the dumbass doesn't plan a thing. He he lies 24/7, but doesn't bother to think through any lie he's going to tell. So he's like, uh, "Yeah, I love the Bible, love it, love both the testaments." I like testimony, not my testimony. Which is your favorite, though? Is it is the Are you an Old Testament guy or a New Testament guy? Literally. His answer was both. <laughs> Literally, what he said. <laughs> Just pick one, you dumbass. Like, uh. No, you're, of course, of course, it's that he's a bad liar. Of course, that's what it is. Like he does it all the time. He's just terrible at right. it. You'd think after lying so much, you'd actually get good at lying. Yeah, not no. the case. He's not such a dumbass because he doesn't get punished for not having the answer to that. So there you go. Yeah, no, that. But I don't think that that proves that he isn't a dumbass. I think that it proves that Democrats are even bigger dumbasses than Trump. If you can't beat a guy that incompetent, that clownish. I mean, the guys answered. I mean, Franny is not exaggerating. They asked them, "What do you prefer, the New Testament or the Old Testament? Which one do you like better?" It's a layup, brother. It's a layup. Okay. Just pick and one. by the way, you moron, Jesus is in the New Testament. Okay. First of all, you can pick either one, and you already passed the question, right? But second of all, of course you pick the New Testament. That's where Jesus is, right? He doesn't even know that. He doesn't know it. It's pretty, it pretty language. I me likey old testament. People will be like, oh my god, yay. Like it would not matter. But he just does the like um D all of the above. <laughs> and you're like, no, because that's a dead giveaway that you don't know what you're talking about. Hundred percent. Like he probably thinks there's like a new new. He probably thinks there's like four testaments. He's like, I don't know, I love all the testaments. New, old, loud, quiet, soft, hard, the testaments testify. Like that's truly, he's never opened a Bible. Which is, I don't care if you've opened a Bible, but my God, the fact that he runs around. I don't even know if he claims he's religious anymore, but that he gets the religious vote. I don't know, Jenk, Biden beat him. Like that's how bad he is, is that Biden beat him. Like not the strongest candidate that Joe Biden beat Donald mean? Trump. Joe Biden's a man of the people. He's from Scranton. People relate to him. I hear that on MSNBC 24/7. Okay, <laughs> they, they genuinely see. This is why the right wing lost their minds because mainstream media gaslighting. Like they're constantly talking about how Joe Biden's from a regular guy from Scranton. Guys, he's been in D.C. for 50 years. We all saw it with our own eyes. 
Who are you kidding? Uh, like 75 years ago, he lived in Scranton, he's a regular guy. No, he's not, he was a senator, then he was a vice president, now he's a president. <laughs> Who are you kidding? Who are you kidding? Like there's like, in fact, if you said to me, name like five people that define American politics in your lifetime, Joe Biden would definitely be in the top five. He probably would have been in the top five even before he won the presidency. Okay, yeah. and they're like, ah, Scranton guy, haha. Okay, so <laughs> I, I, I would bet any amount of money that Donald Trump has not read one full page of the Bible. Like just one page, but he has to read the whole page. Inconceivable. You guys remember the presidential daily briefings? They had to cut them down to two pages, then one page, and then they had to put oh pictures God. in it. And then they had to put That's his right. name sprinkled throughout the documents so he would keep reading, otherwise he would lose interest. It's like, uh, blah, blah, we might get nuclear attacked. Blah, blah, Ooh, Donald J. Trump, very special man, should read the next sentence. I will then, okay. <laughs> you know, I feel like we don't talk about that enough. Like he could not handle, what was it, an initial brief? Like I'm assuming it's more than two pages, but he could not handle that he amount couldn't. of reading. I mean, that's not you, that's not partisan, that's not fake news. That's just what happened. Like you, th this guy should be president again? Oh my God. Like we need to keep on reminding people he could only handle like half a page of a brief as the president of the effing United States. Well, look, uh, I had a lot of thoughts about that over the weekend because I watched Oppenheimer. Uh, and oh, yeah. And so, but first, let me say this for all the mainstream press uh, clowns who are like, Marianne Williamson with all of her progressive policy proposals, could she really be a credible president? Dude, the last president couldn't read. Like he couldn't read past two pages. He needed a picture book. In fact, his presidential book was a, literally a picture book, right? And we're still having a conversation about whether someone uh, is credible to be president of the United States. Who are you guys kidding? Okay, no, no. And and even now, even Biden, Buttigieg was on TV the other day, and he's like, no. The president is very sharp. When we give him briefings, he will ask questions. Wow, I didn't know he was on top of his game. For like the powerful, I guess this is like a big surprise. That's like, oh, we have a figurehead. Normally he'd be a you know a, just a lump on a log, and he'd just sit there like the schmuck that he is, filled with donor money, and every once in a while, donor money would come out of his mouth, right? But no, this one asked questions. Everyone's like, oh, bravo, Biden still got it. <laughs> God, our bar is so low for insiders and ridiculously high for outsiders. Oppenheimer, <laughs> though, related to this. So I watched it, and I don't want to, <laughs> I don't give any spoilers here. Spoiler alert, there's a bomb. Um, anyways, um, but you know it's it's scary in a sense, of course, and it's supposed to be um, because uh, yeah, those nukes are still there. We all still have them. One thing goes wrong, and we're all dead, and we just like have gotten used to it. But yeah, yeah, I mean, we could all die if they just launch those nukes. And then I thought, well, we thought Vladimir Putin was a terrible guy, but was relatively smart and stable. And then he went into Ukraine not knowing that his army sucks and totally unprepared and got his ass handed to him. And now he's mad and he and he's already launched several invasions that chemical weapons likely with Assad in Syria doesn't seem to have any moral qualms. If we put Trump back into office, 
I'm not saying that those two are you know, not friendly. They seem to be very friendly and maybe that's a good thing in this case, right? Um, I mean, the last thing I would want is Trump and Putin fighting those two morons, right? But, but we're gonna put Trump back into office? I mean, it's a minor miracle he didn't launch nukes last time. We, because in the movie, you see Oppenheimer talking to Truman in one scene. And President Truman reminds him in essence, you didn't push the button, I pushed the button, right? Mm. And, and Truman, I've read the history of Truman and he's a practical guy in some ways and he's not a simple guy, he's complicated. But also not like the brightest guy in the world. And and so his sense of it was like, we're gonna intimidate them and we're gonna push the button, right? And he thought Oppenheimer was a crybaby. It doesn't sound that bright, right? Um, but Trump is infinitely dumber. And, and un, forget dumb, unstable, like deeply unstable. And we're gonna let that guy have his finger on the nuke for four more years and then hope that everything's okay? I don't know, man, we are playing with fire and if things go wrong, you can't pull the nukes back in. So I think we're way too flippant about how we choose the president. Like we're mm. just voting based on who's the best reality host. I mean, look at mm -hmm. this. I mean, Matt Gates, Ted Cruz, I think Marjorie Taylor Greene, they all have podcasts now. Everybody's just trying to be a talk show host or a reality host. And yeah, step off. Yeah. Step off our territory. That's how I feel. Yeah, but I mean, you've been diagnosing this problem, obviously, your whole career as a TYT host, and you wrote the book, and you explained very well how we got here. But your solutions are no longer adequate. If Jake Tapper all of a sudden becomes the most responsible journalist on TV, it's way too late. If the CBS Evening News starts covering how deranged and unstable Trump is, it's too late. No one even watches that anymore. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know what your solution now is. You've yeah, well, look. It's so true. So Dave's very right. And um, especially at this moment in time, because if you read all the way to the end of the book, you see there's tons of hope because Look, I'll summarize the one key thing you need to know. There's many more things in the book and you could buy pre-order it at tyt.com slash justice. Marjorie, go ahead, you can do that too, don't worry. I read the whole book so you didn't have to. And I realized at the end, <laughs> God damn it, he's got a good point. Um, so anyways, there's a lot of reasons for hope. Uh, but the number one reason is the young are totally on our side. So we just have to wait for that cavalry to arrive and they're, in the process of arriving, but will they arrive by 2024? Uh, probably not, probably 2832. What I mean by that is not like they're all gonna vote at once and nobody's gonna vote in 24. No, it's just a demographic shift so that as those voters come in and other voters go out, it makes a giant sea change in, in American politics. And that's heading in our direction, that's a wonderful thing. But by 24, it probably will not have crested enough uh, to ensure mm. victory uh, for the Democrats. And so what we would need in the short term is you're not gonna have mainstream media turn around instantly. Even if they did, Dave's right, uh, right wing isn't listening to them anymore and independents are barely listening to them. Like in this poll that came out recently about American media, it was like, 70% of Democrats trust mainstream media, which is a disaster, by the way, because they're bottling up 
progressives in the primaries. They're the only people left on earth who still believe that the that campaign contributions aren't bribes and the politicians are having honest debates, etc. But unfortunately, they're stuffed into the Democratic Party and it's hard to get past them in the primaries. Um, so, but Republicans don't watch mainstream media at all and that's not surprising and we don't care because they're never gonna vote for anything sensible anyway. Independence is the prize and unfortunately like only like 16% if I remember right, but in that ballpark of independence, trust mainstream media anymore. So that goes to Dave's point, which is they're not even watching even the independence. But so what in the world could turn it around? Well, the only thing that could turn it around in 2024 is an excellent, strong progressive who would challenge Joe Biden in the primary, win and then rout whichever Republican is there because they'd run. And it's that's not like loose talk. That's not like, oh yeah, of course your time side's gonna win. No, a strong progressive would run on our popular proposals, namely almost all of them on the economic side. So almost all of them poll at two thirds or better. You just need one guy, like if Fetterman hadn't had a stroke, Fetterman would landslide, landslide any Republican. I mean, he had a stroke, couldn't even speak, and he still beat a Republican, right? In a Republican seat, he picked up. So all we need is one strong progressive, but no one will run. No one will run. And by the way, they're not wrong if they ran those guys, those goons of the mainstream media, they haven't turned around. And what they'll do is they'll savage any progressive that runs. They will. And that's why, I mean, I think what's, you know, I've always relitigated and thought about 2015 and thought about, you know, 2020 or 2016, 2020, I guess, um, in terms of Bernie, you know, and thinking over and over and over again, would Bernie have won? And And obviously the answer to me is yes, but I know how the mainstream media would have acted. Uh, I know how they get, we all know how they get when progressives win. Um, They hedge like hell, even though they're on the wrong side of history. Um, They ask, you know, but what about, you know, uh, all of the uh, executives losing their uh, third homes? What about the staff they employ in those third homes? Like that, those kinds of questions. They always hedge. And then my mind always remember, like I remember when in 2020, Elizabeth Warren and Bernie were kind of coming out of the gate pretty hot. And there was a Wall Street Journal article, I believe, where they interviewed executives. Or maybe they were just, I don't know where it was, but but I, it, it rings in my ear, which is Wall Street execs were basically like, I would want Trump again than Elizabeth Warren. And it's like, yeah, we know, money will always choose fascism, it doesn't matter. They don't care about people in cages, they don't care about people in prisons, they don't care about people dying, they don't care about trans people being demonized, they don't care about black people. Like money wants the fascists, even if it's volatile, even if they start a nuclear war. Oh, and so and so like never forget like if a progressive got through that primary process, we it would take all of us because the other side is coming. Well, to your point, Franny, and this includes the Democratic donors. I was talking to someone recently who talks to big time Democratic donors pretty regularly. And he said, look, conversations go great. Oh Yeah, we're for protecting rights and we we're worried about climate change and we, we agree on all those issues. And the minute you get to tax increases, they're out, gone, gone, gone. Is it every Democratic donor? No, 
Uh, and some donate anyway uh, to good progressives who would actually raise taxes on the rich, Elizabeth Warren, Bernie Sanders, etc. But that is a tiny minority. Even the great majority of the Democratic donors are like, no, money first. And then everything else is a nice to have. Oh, we'd like to have gay rights. That's, that's them being equal to us. That seems nice, right? Or, or us being equal to you. That seems nice. Whatever it is, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, but mm -hmm. but don't touch the money. Don't touch the money. And so, yeah, of course. I mean, look, I talked about that, and justice is coming too. After normally, after a primary victory, the candidate will get tons of positive coverage, and it did happen in 2020. In the fourth race, because that's the one Biden won, he got overwhelmingly positive coverage. The first three races, Iowa, New Hampshire, and Nevada that Bernie won, he got overwhelmingly negative coverage. Mm -hmm. Because that's mainstream media, they're, they're a joke. They, they, they're not 1% objective and they go around claiming that they are. Uh, oh No, the pro corporate position is the objective position. Everyone else is radicals. So I mean, look here. Let me ask you. And Dave's a contrarian. Right now, Bernie Sanders versus Donald Trump. What does mainstream like? Let's assume that's the general election. What does mainstream media do? Well, it starts begging for Joe Manchin, and <laughs> yes, they'll talk about the third no label party nonstop. Yeah, and by the way, what would the no label party do? Take votes away from the Democratic nominee, in that case, Bernie Sanders, because some of the moderate, so-called moderate Democrats, they're not moderate, the establishment Democrats, corporate Democrats would go with Manchin, and that, mm -hmm. thereby ensuring a Trump victory. So that proves Franny's, Franny's point, right? And the point I was making, because they can't, like, and I guarantee you that if Jake Tapper was in the room, is Jake Tapper in the room with us now, Jenk? No, he's yeah. not, <laughs> okay, but if he was, <laughs> And you told him all this, he would be indignant. And he would say, that's not remotely true. And we're super objective. It's just that Bernie sucks at everything. And then Hillary and Biden, I mean, they're not wonderful at everything. Like when they leave Afghanistan, bad, bad for leaving Afghanistan. It was a mess the way you left. Another 20 years would have solved it. Uh, okay, <laughs> anyways. But it doesn't matter what he says in the room, it matters what he says on air. And I. Guarantee you, every one of those cable news anchors would go to obliterate. Obliterate. That's an interesting word. Old school yeah, makes that's up worse words. than obliterate. Yeah. Can you imagine getting obliterated? Yeah. <laughs> well, blah, 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 blah. actually, America has obliterated a lot of cities and towns and that's villages, true. unfortunately. Um, but anyways, they would obliterate obliterate the progressive candidate and and everybody knows it it's they're they're kidding themselves if they're going to pretend that that's not the case they would say the democratic party screwed up and now we have to have trump as president because certainly can't have bernie sanders yeah that's that's exactly right, right. yeah and i mean we have recent history to look to I mean, do you guys remember how media acted when bernie was jumping out of the gate doing, doing strong um they were like losing their minds. I mean, and again, when they lose their minds, they don't lose their minds. They they just start start really warming up to people like Michael Bloomberg. Remember when Michael Bloomberg for like three weeks because Bernie was doing really well, they were like, um, Biden was like a non-entity, and they were like, maybe Bloomberg? Do we like Bloomberg? And 
I lost my mind. Like that moment was just like, oh, f everybody. <laughs> like, because yeah, they, you know, let's go for anyone. But like the billionaire, give me the billionaire, give me Schultz. I'll drink a million unicorn lattes or frappuccinos. Like it was just like they're so desperate when progressives win. The only thing I will say, Jenkin, I don't know what you guys think about this. I think AOC breaks through. AOC breaks through the noise. AOC to liberal friends of mine, I say that with a lot of love, but to big old libs friends of mine who are, you know, they're, they're chill on the whole like. Economic populism thing. They don't not no not not too much change too quickly. AOC breaks through for them. Could be because she's stunning, she's well spoken, got the red lipstick, she's young, she, you know, she's a woman of color. There's so many reasons, so many boxes she checks. But her I mean, I remember I had friends come to me when when AOC endorsed Bernie. My liberal friends were like, why, why? Like, you know, kind of like, why not Warren or why not whatever? And I just straight up said, I was like, she's a socialist. She's a socialist, sorry, she's a socialist. Yeah, see, but that's the thing, Franny. Like my real opinion, uh, which is the only kind I give on air (laughs) is, um, and I say that before I'm about to say something that's, you know, a little controversial, but, AOC has not talked about economic issues in years. That's why they're comfortable with her. If she had been strong economic populist, she wouldn't have gotten anywhere near this kind of positive mainstream media coverage. And your liberal friends wouldn't have liked her and they would have been super, you know, they would not have been remotely surprised that he she endorsed Bernie Sanders. So as long as she's talking about culture war stuff, it's harmless. And so, oh, hey, fun little progressive. Yay, let's fight for our side, right? I just I would disagree with that. I think, you know, look, she was at the UPS like I think like pre-strike rally some somewhere in in New York and like she she's been showing up. She's also talked a lot about Israel Palestine lately. Gone on That's mainstream media to talk about that. So I, I love what she said about Israel Palestine. I like that she had the courage to to vote the right way on that. And so I'm not here to I'm not saying the AOC is bad. I'm not attacking her, right? And she's done a lot of positive things, a lot of things that establishment Democrats haven't done. But did she fight Biden tooth and nail as he collapsed to Joe Biden, I mean Joe Manchin, over and over again? No, she didn't fight him at all. And when things push came to shove, was was she an enormous? And to be fair to her, nobody was right. But I'm just saying, like. $15 minimum wage, nowhere to be found. Paid family leaves got nowhere to be found. He never said public, he never even introduced public option, nowhere to be found. And what did she do? And so did Bernie. Again, to be fair to her, they're all on the same, they're all doing the same thing. Endorsed Biden instantly without a second thought, didn't get anything back as far as anybody can tell, didn't use her leverage, etc. So I'm just telling you why liberals and establishment media right now are perfectly comfortable with AOC. When she won the first, when she won, and she was still like basically a just Democrat in the way I see it, they hated her. Like they, in the beginning, they were like, "Oh wow, it's so interesting! What a, a miraculous upset! Oh, that's super interesting! Oh, and she's pretty! Oh, we're so obsessed with the fact that she's pretty, right?" And then she did the sit-in at Nancy Pelosi's house, and it was like, "Oh, she's one of these progressives, troublemaker." 
And that's when she got all the negative coverage. Then she stopped doing that, back to positive coverage. And yeah, no, I mean, I totally disagree, Jank. Like, I just, I just think that, like, look, Hakeem Jeffries talks smack about her to mainstream news all the time. She gets it from her same caucus. They do not like her. They still don't like her. So I think mm. that there is a rift between mainstream news, as you say it, because they have her on regularly, and the like mainstream Democratic Party. And I think she can't always be fighting. You cannot always do that. You, you literally cannot. You have to work with these Sometimes. people, even though those people are terrible. So I mean, I would, I guess I would just disagree. I think she's learned how to pick her battles. I think she's waiting in the wings. I think there's more to come. Right. I don't think there's complacency here. No, I totally disagree. God bless. It's okay. Uh, that yeah, I love disagreement. Uh, but yeah, yeah, like <laughs> keeping your choosing your battles sounds like keeping your powder dry. I've heard that a lot from Democrats. Uh, that powder is permanently dry. Uh, so she like pick one of them, pick a fight. I'm not saying pick every fight. I'm not the guy who says pick every fight. You know, we're not the force of oak guys. We're not those clowns, etc. We believe in strategy, being practical, being. But pick a fight. You know, try to win on a issue, have a plan. But by the way, again, it sounds like I'm picking on AOC. But look, I got a lot of love for a lot of these folks when they do great things. Here, I'll throw out another name, Katie Porter. We all love her, right? And when she does the chalkboard, it's fantastic. She takes on corporate power, love it, right, in those hearings. What bill has she tried to pass? Which progressive priority did she fight for? So I think it's not them. They're, not, they're definitely not bad people. And they're perfectly smart, they're perfectly everything, okay? But when you go into Washington, Washington melts your brain. And Washington tells you, oh, you better not fight. And when you do, they're like, oh, that's so disappointing. We thought she was a serious person. I'm doing a sitting. You know what Whoopi Goldberg said? This is also in the book. Whoopi Goldberg said, you don't go in there and pee on the furniture, okay? When, about the sit-in she did at Pelosi's office. Mm. Imagine if a progressive had said about Biden or Pelosi or Obama that they peed on the furniture, okay? <laughs> so when she was fighting them, the establishment hated her. The minute she stopped fighting, nothing but love, okay? So all these guys, and I just don't think that they know how to fight. No one's got a plan, no one's showed them, and, and they, and they don't like to listen to outsiders anymore, so it's kind of hopeless. I think, I mean, like last thing I'm gonna say on this, but I think that the terrain has definitely shifted. Meaning, I think that it's different now that Biden is in office for multiple reasons. But I think that that strategically, just like I think we all, we all would agree, the priority is absolutely slaying neo-fascism. That is a priority. That being said, that is often used to tame the left too much. I think what I don't think I don't think Pramila Jayapal is the same as AOC. Meaning, I don't think I mean obviously when she caved and allowed you know the Build Back Better plan to be separate from from whatever I can't even remember. My brain has melted myself, but you know what I'm saying. Like yeah, that yeah. was a major capitulation. Yeah. Um, but I do think that like if Biden hopefully. My God, or somebody else. But if there are four more years, I think you're gonna see, and I hope we should 
be seeing something different from progressives. And and for Katie no Porter, way. I can't I can't rattle off what bills she's introduced, but I think it's very unfair to be like there's been nothing because we know there's been stuff that they've introduced. We just don't have it off the top of our heads. And maybe it hadn't had a massive fanfare, she didn't take out ads on Twitter or whatnot, but like, you know, there have been there's there is legislation. But Francesco, uh, so, anyway. we we know what our major policy proposals are. And we know none of them are fighting for it, except Bernie reintroduced higher minimum wage in the Senate. So he's back to trying stuff. But I've heard that excuse a million times. Oh, Neo-fascism, so when Trump is in charge, you have to just attack Trump and not propose any bills. When Biden is in charge, you have to just fight Trump and not propose any bills. No, when do I get no, to propose bills? So. When, when do I get to do it? Um, so they keep waiting for permission. You feel like you can get, anyway, I, I also think we are in a, we're in a better position or worse position. Like I, we are, the country is so radically to the right that, like, and again, we are so mired in this culture war BS. So, and I think to your credit, to your point, every time Bernie, for example, would like work with a a, a Republican, the mainstream news would lose their mind. Remember, you know, yeah. or he, and every time Bernie would introduce legislation that went nowhere, they were like, well, you had all these pieces of legislation that didn't go anywhere. You're useless. You're feckless." And that I think is also something that is a little bit of a lesson. Um, and it, good or bad, I don't know, but it definitely it's like it's about how much you much you can get done, right? And that's sort of what that's the clout that you get in Washington. No, it's not yeah, necessarily I, the clout. You know? I hear you. I don't want to go too far down the rabbit hole. We're already yeah, very, know. very far. But Bernie got more amendments added to bills than any senator in the last 20 years. So I know what fighting looks like. And I know when Bernie fights and when he doesn't fight. And on all the Biden proposals, he didn't fight. And it was a purposeful decision. He's back to fighting now. He's a wonderful person, etc. But they got to Washington and Washington convinced them don't fight. Uh, fellow Democrats, very, very impolite, very unkind. So they like it's because they're good people. They pressed on their, you know, their their nerve and so oh, it's unkind, unkind to fight Democrats. Um, yeah. So, anyways, last thing on this, Dave, jump in, please. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to go to Dave. So, look, <laughs> I'll say this, and then I'm going to ask Dave, uh, uh, you know, ask Dave what he thinks. So, look, if AOC got into the race now. I think the mainstream media reaction would be like, "Ooh, that's interesting drama. Oh, that's so exciting and interesting." Then if she did, and she would if she was running, said, "Yeah, I'm for a higher minimum wage, paid family leave, all these things that progressives are for," they would immediately switch. Say, "You're hurting Biden. You're going to get Trump elected, right?" But if Nina Turner went in the race, let's say that she hadn't lost those two races, so now it's easier for them. Because they'll say, oh, you lost the congressional races on what ground? No way, right? But assume for a second that Nina Turner hadn't run in those races and didn't lose those races, and she went into the primary now. They wouldn't wait and they wouldn't say it was exciting and they wouldn't say any of that. They would just immediately attack her with a two by four. Each cable news anchor would be like, oh, yeah, choose your weapon of choice, right? Because for whatever reason, they have a spidey sense that Nina Turner means it. And anyone currently in Congress doesn't. All this, Dave, like, what do you, th am I being too harsh on AOC? Well, it's so hard I mean, to, to, to answer that. Uh, I, one thing that struck me that 
France said is everything that we don't know. How do you know that back on February 18th, she didn't walk all around the Capitol asking people to get on board for one of these policy proposals, paid family leave, and she wore her shoes down to the ground and she just couldn't get the people enthusiastic. She couldn't get her, couldn't get her own colleagues on board with her. Excellent question. Uh, I do know. Uh, because I know people in Congress, I know staffers, and I know Congress people, and I know people inside organizations. And I asked, I asked, can you guys fight? Is anybody fighting? Does anybody have a plan? What's our plan, etc. I asked all those people. And again, to be, we're it's totally unfair to AOC just to single her out. None of them had a plan, and none of them fought. So that's not true. There was two people inside a caucus at a critical time. That actually made a little bit of a stand, and then they were like attacked thoroughly by Jayapal, let alone everyone else. So Francesca's totally right. AOC is not Jayapal. Jayapal is like one of the worst leaders I have ever seen, and her whole job was, hey, everybody, be cool. We're trusting Biden because I'd like to be the next Speaker of the House because I'm incredibly naive and think that they're not going to give it to Hakeem Jeffries. Well, they're obviously going to give it to Hakeem Jeffries. Of course, they're going to give it to a corporatist, but I'm angling for it and I will get all the progressives to bow their heads. Oh, no. Anyway, so I can't because it was a private conversation. I can't tell you who the two good people were, but. But they were just Democrats. But Cory Bush, I mean, Cory Bush took a stand around housing and when the eviction moratorium was going away. And I do think that is part and parcel of the fact that Cory Bush is a, is a freshman, like she's new. Um, and I think that's what you're seeing. You know, and this is something interesting when you said, talked about Bernie, and I don't want to talk too much about it, but he did not fight Biden in those debates. He did not. He didn't. He no, treated he treated Biden well, like he a colleague. That he, he treated. And he, yeah, and he, and and I, I don't know. I believe his staff was like, "Who told me this?" Where it was like they knew, they knew they're going in, they're going for the jugular, they're doing this, they're slaying it, they're, eh. and he just didn't. He just was not able to. And I love Bernie, man, but you're in Congress for, you're in the Senate for that long, you're in Congress for that long, you're a politician for that long, and yeah, Biden's your friend, he's your colleague, he's more that than. Than anything else, than your adversary in that, and so the outsider shine is actually really important, even though occasionally we'll get a Trump. Yeah, no, again, that's the thing that's a very public. Dave's right. Even Bernie's kind of—I don't know if Bernie's admitted it, but it's very public knowledge, and several of his. Yeah. And but I knew it at the time because I know almost all of his staffers. They had the notes prepared for him. They handed him the Biden attack lines, I think it was in the October debate. And he said he was gonna do it. And in between the green room and the <laughs> stage, he changed his mind and he didn't do it. And everyone was like deflated. Even the guys who were more moderate on the team, meaning not moderate in politics, but in, in policies, but in politics. Like, well, we should be respectful of those guys. Even they were like, well, we got him, but we got it. We got to have to engage, and we have to. Like, it couldn't have been the October debate. It must have been later. Anyways, but they were like, "We got to go now, Bernie. You're running against him. You have to make points against him. That's how this works." Yeah. And he just yeah. couldn't do it. He just. That's why right now, if, I wouldn't support Bernie running again. I mean, like, if you tell me Bernie or Biden, of course I'm going to pick Bernie. But 
But if you said pick a progressive champion to run against Biden, I wouldn't pick Bernie because Bernie wouldn't do it. He wouldn't run against Biden. I mean, literally now you can see it, of course. But but if he was in the race, he still wouldn't run against Biden. He'd play patty cakes with him. Yeah. I, and I'm sorry, but I'm I'm sick of it. I'm tired. I want I get rare opportunities to be here. I want to make a comment on it's only half on topic about mainstream media. Because I always like to come on this show and. Uh, complain about something I heard on local news. So you might remember a couple of weeks ago, Bank of America got hit by those big fines for fraudulent banking practices. Mm-hmm. Surely you covered it. Mm-hmm. So on the local news, this was the headline. I couldn't believe it. It's a bad day for Bank of America today as they got hit by this big fine. <laughs> that's that's their take on it. That's a bad day for Bank of America. Yeah, it's a thank you, Dave. And that, thank that's, you. that's not CNBC or Fox. That's just the local. You know, CBS affiliate here in LA. Everything is from a corporate perspective. It's vomitous. So, like, you know, we've discussed this a hundred times. They do a railroad strike and they're like, oh, the strikers, the employees are costing, it could cost the economy a lot of billions of dollars, maybe trillions of dollars. Did it ever occur to you that maybe the employers are the ones costing the economy billions and trillions of dollars because they won't even give the guys one sick day? No, they never framed it that way. It was always the workers, and you'll see it going forward. Anybody watching now, you'll see anytime a strike comes up, it doesn't matter if it's teachers or assembly line guys, whoever it might be, they'll be like, oh, the workers could endanger. In fact, it's happening now. The actor strike just covered a local news story where they're like, oh, because of the strike, this poor lady is out of work. She used to clean for them, and now she has nothing to clean. Well, we'll see how long the actors and the writers cause this. Yep. <laughs> You're like, wait a minute, how about the guys making billions of dollars? Yeah, how are they not causing it? The actor strike in LA is a little different. The news people do have a little bit more sympathy for the actors and writers, because they know those people. Yeah, I it's, know. it's a little yeah. more. And, but even then, but they did right. that hit piece yeah. in the local news. All right, we got more for you guys, instead of and including goofy stuff. Um, so that's for the members. tyt.com/slash/join. We'll see you there in a minute.